This morning, I would like to talk to you about prayer. And I'm going to do so by addressing some questions that often come up in regard to praying. But I'd like to start by asking you a question about prayer. If you could ask God for one thing, knowing that it would be granted, what would you ask him for? Now, the genie rule applies here. You can't ask for all the other prayers, too, to be answered the same way. Is there something that would hold you back from praying? Is there some reason that you would say, well, I don't think I should ask for that? Is it because maybe you've asked before and you haven't received it? Or maybe you feel you're not worthy to ask for that? Or maybe you just feel that you've asked for some time already on it and without getting an answer, you're just giving up. There's a lot of reasons sometimes why we're hesitant to pray. In fact, the Apostle James, in writing his letter to Christians, talked about the attitude we can have or shouldn't have in prayer. He wrote these words. When you ask, you must believe and not doubt. Because the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea blown and tossed by the wind. That person should not expect to receive anything from the Lord. Such a person is double-minded and unstable in all they do. Well, I think we can all admit that there's probably been some times when we've been hesitant to pray, maybe even discouraged in praying for a variety of reasons. But today, we want to talk about rejoicing in prayer. Now, a couple of weeks ago, when we were going through our series of messages entitled God's Everyday Promises, we talked about bringing our burdens to the Lord because he promised to bring us comfort and relief. And then last week, we, we talked about the abundant life that he promises us. Well, today, we, we bring that full circle, so to speak, and we want to hear God's promise that we will rejoice over answered prayer. The words for our study this morning are the words of King David that he wrote in one of his prayers, and it's about prayer. Listen to these words from Psalm 28. To you, Lord, I call. You are my rock. Do not turn deaf ear to me. For if you remain silent, I will be like those who go down to the pit. Hear my cry for mercy as I call to you for help, as I lift up my hands toward your most holy place. Do not drag me away with the wicked, with those who do evil, who speak cordially with their neighbors, but harbor malice in their hearts. Repay them for their deeds and for their evil work. Repay them for what their hands have done and bring back on them what they deserve. Because they have no regard for the deeds of the Lord and what his hands have done, he will tear them down and never build them up again. Praise be to the Lord, for he has heard my cry for mercy. 
The Lord is my strength and my shield. My heart trusts in him, and he helps me. My heart leaps for joy, and with my song I praise him. The Lord is the strength of his people, a fortress of salvation for his anointed one. Save your people and bless your inheritance. Be their shepherd and carry them forever. Beautiful prayer, isn't it? We can look at that and learn some things for our own prayer life. First, we have to understand that David wrote this prayer when he was going through a time with a lot of troubles. Now we think of King David as being one of the great kings in Israel, but he was also a man who was plagued by a lot of troubles. Before he became king, the king who was ruling, Saul, wanted to kill him and pursued him all over the country because he didn't want him to take over the throne. When David finally became the king, even his own son would rebel against him and try to lead a revolution to overthrow him. And there were neighboring countries that were always antagonizing the Israelites and he was always having to go to war. David had a lot of troubles. But yet through those troubles, we are blessed because we hear what he did with those troubles. He took them to the Lord. And in this particular psalm, he reminds us of God's everyday promise that we will be able to rejoice in answered prayer. So let's ask some questions and answer them about prayer. And that first question is simply this. How do I know if my prayer has been answered? Well, usually what we do is look around. We look for some evidence. Well, where do we look for that evidence? And sometimes the evidence that we seem to focus on maybe tells us my prayer has not been answered. You see, sometimes we look at the, the facts, let's call them, the circumstances, and we see that things haven't changed, and so we'll say, well, the prayer has not been answered. That might have been the, the situation for King David because of the way that psalm was worded. He was describing his cries for mercy as being continuous. And he was speaking about them in the future as still ongoing. I guess when David looked around, he saw that things had not changed in his life. And perhaps he felt, my prayer has not been answered. And it is true that sometimes we look at our feelings and that tells us the answer. In other words, if we didn't get what we expected, what we wanted, then we become discouraged and disappointed, and therefore we feel, God has not heard my prayer. Sometimes maybe that happens to us. We pray for a change in our situation, maybe for our health or our job or our finances or something, and it, and it hasn't changed, and then we become disappointed and discouraged and, and want to just give up and, and move on because it didn't seem like prayer was working. In fact, it could even fuel some fears. Fears that perhaps God's ignoring me. God doesn't really love me like he says and maybe there's something wrong with me and maybe I'm not right with God and I just don't know what to do and so I'll just forget all of this. 
Now there's a problem when we look to the circumstances or our own feelings or the fears that we have. There's a problem there in basing our opinion on has my prayer been answered? The problem is this. We're looking at the one who's doing the asking. That is, we're looking at ourselves and what our view of things should be. Instead, we should be looking at the giver, the one who will give the answer and see his perspective on what things are. That's what David did in that prayer. David admitted that things hadn't changed in his life. David admitted that there was perhaps some feelings that were discouraging him as he talks about maybe going down to the pit, you know, being down in the dumps. And there was perhaps some fear that he was being rejected. But he realized that's not where I should be looking to see if my prayers are answered. There's somewhere else that we need to look to know that our prayer has been answered. And that is to look at the giver of the answer, God. And that's what David did. Let's take a look at his words again. And in there, we're going to see 10 reasons why we know our prayer is answered. Back in verse 1, he says, To you, Lord, I call. You are my rock. Do not turn a deaf ear to me. For if I remain silent, thou be like those who go down to the pit. The first reason we know our prayer is answered is because God is the Lord. Now that word is in all capitalized letters, not for emphasis, but that was a special Hebrew word that was being used. That was the covenant name for God. The covenant name that reminded the people that God is faithful, that God is unchanging, that if he makes a promise, he holds to it. And so David is relying on that. He says, I am calling to you, Lord, the faithful one. He also referred to him as his rock. And when we think of a rock, we think of something that's big, something that's heavy, something that's solid and firm. We might refer to it as being too heavy, as a, as a burden. But here the rock was being referred to as a, as a foundation, something that we know we can stand on, that's reliable. David might even have been thinking of some of those big rock formations in Israel where a person could go and, and find refuge. Indeed, when we go and hide ourselves in the Lord, we have a, a firm and secure refuge. And that's what David was talking about here. I know my prayer is answered because God is my rock. Now he goes on. He says, hear my cry for mercy as I call to you for help, as I lift up my hands toward your most holy place. When David was referring to the most holy place, he was thinking of the, the tabernacle or the temple, their, their house of worship. It was maybe structured a little bit like ours, where there was an altar, a special area, and, and behind a, a set of curtains, there was an altar, the Ark of the Covenant. Only the high priest could go back there one time during the year, and that with blood from the sacrifice to show that there would be atonement for sins. 
when David is referring to that, he's simply saying, God, I know that you are on your throne of grace, and that's why I'm calling out to you for mercy. God is at his throne of grace, and he allows us to come there with our prayers, with our, with our concerns, not because we've deserved it, but because he has opened the way for us to come, and that way is through the blood of a sacrifice, the blood of the sacrifice of his son, Jesus. That's what's opened the way for us to come to that throne of grace. The writer to the letter to the Hebrew Christians, in encouraging them in their faith, reminds them of how they can go to the throne of grace without a human high priest. Because we have a great high priest, Jesus. He wrote these words. Therefore, since we have a great high priest who has ascended into heaven, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold firmly to the faith we profess. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to empathize with our weaknesses, but we have one who has been tempted in every way, just as we are, yet he did not sin. Let us then approach God's throne of grace with confidence, so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. There's a reason why we know our prayer is heard, because that way to the throne of grace is wide open for us. Now David goes on and he speaks some words in this prayer that maybe sound a little strange to us. Let's hear them again and then I'll explain it. Do not drag me away with the wicked, with those who do evil, you know, who speak cordially with their neighbors, but harbor malice in their hearts. Repay them for their deeds and for their evil work. Repay them for what their hands have done and bring back on them what they deserve because they have no regard for the deeds of the Lord and what his hands have done. He will tear them down and will never build and will never build them up again. Odd words maybe, right? That, that David is praying for punishment for the enemies. But in those words, we hear something that assures us that our prayers are answered. He's reminding us that God is all-wise, all-knowing, and that he is all-powerful. He knows what's going on in people's hearts. He knows what their deeds are and he will override their evil with his power and his love. So that's assurance for us. When we see things that appear to be out of control, God is in control. He knows what's going on, and he will act to bless. Another reason we can be assured our prayer is answered. David says, praise be to the Lord, for he has heard my cry for mercy. With those words, David is reminding us that God sympathizes. He understands what we go through. In fact, he has gone through much worse than you and I have, Jesus did. And so he understands and is ready to listen and to help in our time of need. David also said, the Lord is my strength and my shield. My heart trusts in him and he helps me. With those words, he's reminding us that God is our strength. Sometimes when we pray, we do so in desperation because we feel overwhelmed. We feel weak and powerless. 
Now David was a powerful king. He had a strong army and conquered many enemies. But in this prayer, he's telling us his strength was not in his military strategy or the number of soldiers he had. His strength was in the Lord. And so it is for us too. When we come to the Lord in our weakness, we come relying on him for his strength. David also referred to him as a shield. Not just a little shield held in the hand, but a big body shield. The Lord is the one who is there in front of us. The Lord is the one who surrounds us. He is there as a shield to protect us. It was interesting in the Hebrew, that word would also be used later on to talk about one who would give gifts. David saw the Lord as a shield, not just to protect, but also to provide. And David goes on. He says, the Lord is the strength of his people, a fortress of salvation for his anointed one. He calls the Lord a fortress of salvation. Now I list it this way, fortress of, notice my spelling there at the end, salvations, plural. Because in the original Hebrew, that word was in the plural. God is our fortress of salvations to deliver us from all sorts of evil and problems. And finally, to give us that eternal salvation, which David prays for in that next verse. Save your people and bless your inheritance. Be their shepherd and carry them forever. With those words, he's reminding us God is our Savior, and he indeed is. God sent his son Jesus into this world to save us. Jesus came to live perfectly for us. He came and even in his prayers provided a perfect prayer for us. Then Jesus put himself under the punishment of God for our sins to take that punishment away from us so that we would be forgiven and saved. Jesus overcame death, that final enemy that we are powerless over. He overcame it for us so that we will live forever. Jesus, God, is my Savior. And David used the words, we are his inheritance. We are his possession. So God is not going to act or not act in some way that he would lose us. He wants us forever. That's why David referred to him as a shepherd, one who tends to the sheep, pays attention to them, one who cares, one who feeds and guides and protects, and one who carries them away. It's the same word that was used in the Bible to speak of Jesus carrying away our sins forever. So if you ever wonder, does God hear my prayer? You have 10 reasons because of who God is and what he has done. 10 reasons. You see me hold up my hands? 10 reasons. What do we do with our, when we pray? We fold our hands, right? There's our confidence in praying, those 10 reasons. And if for some reason you maybe have some doubts about one or two of those reasons, you know what? You have several others to strengthen you. But they're all true, always true. God always answers our prayers. So let's go back and ask a question then. 
about our prayers. Are our prayers answered? How do we know? Because of who God is and what he does. Some other questions. Well, when will God answer me? Right away. Right now. All the time he answers. That answer may be, yes, I will grant it. It might be, no. Because it's not the right answer. Or it might be, not yet. But it's coming. Of one thing we can be sure, God always hears and answers the prayer. All right, well, that might spark another question then. How do I know if I should keep asking then? Maybe I've gotten the answer. And how do I know I should accept the answer? Well, the answer to that question isn't so easily given, but let me cite an example from the scriptures. The Apostle Paul was plagued with some kind of physical problem that he called a thorn in the flesh. And he felt it was keeping him from being a, a better missionary or whatever, and, and he asked God to take it away. Here's the answer he got. Because of these surpassingly great revelations, he was referring to visions of heaven that God had given him. Therefore, in order to keep me from becoming conceited, I was given a thorn in the flesh, a messenger of Satan to torment me. Three times I pleaded with the Lord to take it away from me. But he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you. For my power is made perfect in weakness. Did you hear God's answer? You might say it was, no. I'm not taking it away. But I'm giving you my grace to strengthen you instead. You know, sometimes we want the answer to be, take this away, God, replace it, substitute something else. When instead God wants us to still have that situation so that he can transform us, so that he can change us, so he can put his grace in us and strengthen us. Last week, I, I shared that passage in a devotion with a young man from our congregation who's dying of cancer. And he know that he will die. But this verse and many others continues to strengthen him in his faith. And when I shared this with him, he said, Pastor, that's exactly what I needed to hear. I know God is hearing my prayers. And he's answering me and making me strong, and I'm ready anytime. You see the difference? It's not about having explanations, but about having promises. It's the promises that strengthen our faith. It's the promises that give us hope. It's the promises that give us acceptance of our situation. So what do you do to know the answers from God? Get into his word of grace. Keep going to his throne of grace, and you will get a message of grace. In other words, stay focused on God. Trust his will. Rely on his grace. You do have an answer to your prayers.
Right, one more question about prayers, and that is, well, what should we do then when we get that answer? How should we respond? Well, here's what I think what we often do. If we get the answer back and it's not the one we wanted, we probably complain, we maybe become discouraged, maybe we even just give up on the whole thing with prayer. If we get an answer back that we like, well, we're happy, we're relieved, we probably say thank you, and then we move on. And maybe we bring another problem to the Lord, which is okay. Or maybe we get that relief, we get the answer we wanted, but we never stop to really thank God for it or come back again. Here's what we should do. Let's listen to David as he tells us what he did when he got answers to his prayers. Praise be to the Lord, for he has heard my cry for mercy. The Lord is my strength and my shield. My heart trusts in him, and he helps me. My heart leaps for joy, and with my song I praise him. David is saying one of our responses should simply be to praise God. And I worded it this way, keep praising. The form of the word that David used meant, I keep praising God, for he has heard my prayer. It shouldn't be a quick, ah, thank you, Lord, and move on. But keep reflecting on, remembering, and praising God for his strengthening grace in your life. Now, David does one more thing. He said, the Lord is the strength of his people, a fortress of salvation for his anointed one. Save your people and bless your inheritance. Be their shepherd and carry them forever. He's reminding us to keep praying. When you get that answer, know that God has heard your prayers. So bring to him more prayers. Keep on asking. Keep on knocking. Keep on seeking his blessing. And you have the reason why. He's your Savior. He's redeemed you. You're His forever. David also reminds us to pray for others. He says, save your people and bless them. When we've gotten the answer to our prayer, remember there are many other people who need answers too. Pray for them. All right, so a little review. How quick are you to pray when you are in need? Pretty quick. How fast does God answer? Right away. In fact, the scriptures tell us he even has the answer before we ask. Well, how fast do you respond and for how long? What is your response like? Let's think of God's response of grace and compare our response of thanks and mold our prayers so that they reflect his strengthening grace in our life. All right, let's go back to that first question. If you could ask God for one thing, what would it be? Remember his encouragement. Pray persistently, confidently, and joyfully. Remember this promise that Paul spoke about prayer. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more 
than all we ask or imagine. According to his power that is at work within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. God has given us a wonderful promise for every day of our life. He hears and answers every prayer. So pray. Amen.